Heavenly Father, Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for Brother Scott, our choir, for our singers or musicians as they've led us as we sing praise to your name. Worthy is the Lamb who is slain to receive honor and glory and power and praise. And today we come to do that together in this place. We thank you for your grace and mercy to our lives. We thank you for salvation. We thank you for knowing you as Lord and Savior and experiencing the, uh, the joy, uh, the privilege, the wonder and mystery of eternal life. As you've said to us, even if we die, we live. And while we're living, we're never dying. We have eternal life because we have believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray today, Lord, as we come now to open the Word of God, that you might help us to have a, a sense of understanding, but also a removal of distraction from our lives. We come here, we've sought to praise and glorify and worship you in song and lift our voices to you, but we confess our distraction with the needs and burdens of life. We confess our weaknesses to you and we confess our lack of strength. We thank you for the truth of what we'll see today. Lord Jesus, great high priest. For your people. What a joy, what a privilege it is to know you as Lord and Savior, but as a high priest. How special it warms our hearts and how wonderful it is to help us as we walk with you these days in this world. I pray now, Lord, that you would bless us as we look at your word now and thank you for this time again as we've had the opportunity to worship already. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, good morning. Good to see all of you again. Again, if you're a guest with us, I'm Pastor Mike. We're honored to have you here this morning. Take your Bibles, find your place in your copy of God's Word and where we were, we were at before there was a little temporary uh, interruption in my life and uh, we were unable to continue, but now we're back. Praise God. Hebrews chapter number four, beginning in verse 14 through 16. While you're turning to that place, thank you very much. I want to say to all the church, I said last, last hour, uh, how much I appreciate you. Thank you for your encouragement, your kindness, your texts. Thank you for your offering to do whatever for, for, for myself, for Pat, for our family. And we're honored to know you and we thank God for you. That's what uh, is special. One of the many things about First Baptist Church, Dixon and all of you. And may the Lord bless you. And we thank God for you. And I love you and I thank you for your, your ministry heart to so many and including myself. We come back to this subject now because it is of vital importance. Who would have thought in my life, and this is the will of God, this is the way it works. Uh, who would have thought in my life when I am dealing with what I deal with in these days that I would be on this very important subject it is and has been and will be a great blessing to me all the days of my life. I wish this for you. I wish this for you. I wish for you and I pray for you that the truths of God's Word will get off the pages and get in your heart and get in your mind and affect your emotions and affect the way you live and the priorities of your life. That's what I pray for you. I pray the same for myself every day. That every opportunity I have to be in God's Word will enhance my relationship with Him while I'm living on this earth. Hebrews chapter 4, <clears throat> Paul the Apostle's writing to Jewish believers who were having a hard time, who were struggling. Uh, 
He's writing also to some who were among the Christians who said, well, I think I'm a Christian. I, I want to follow Jesus. But boy, this is really hard to follow Jesus. They weren't really saved, but they were, they were thinking about it or they'd made some profession, but they were about to go back. They were about to quit. Paul writes these things for a number of reasons. He writes to strengthen believers in their troubles, but he also challenges those who are not saved to look at their hearts and their lives and truly see if they were born again. He points throughout the book of Hebrews to the superiority of Jesus Christ. And one of the great truths, in fact, this is why I'm here and I'll, Lord willing, spend the days ahead for a while, taking you through Hebrews to let us see this great truth, this great, great truth about our Lord Jesus Christ. What is Jesus Christ doing today? He's now ascended from heaven uh, from earth to heaven, what is he doing? What is the Lord Jesus Christ doing today, fully alive? Well, that's what we learn here. He is, he is our great high priest. So we read Hebrews chapter 4, verse 14. Therefore, since we have, we is, we is the believer. Since we believers have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, <clears throat> Let us hold fast our confession. Verse 15, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Therefore, here's what we do. Because we have this kind of high priest who's passed through the heavens, who's in the presence of God in the glorious place the Son of God, fully man, fully God. We do not have this high priest who cannot sympathize, but he's been tempted like us. Because of all of that, let us, notice, draw near. Draw near with confidence to the throne of grace. So that we who draw near, believers, may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, Heavenly Father, bless the reading of your word and may the Holy Spirit <clears throat> take the truths of God's word and put them in our heart and our life for eternal purposes so that we might live to glorify God all the days of our life. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So my focus today will be this. I've given it to you here on the screen. The focal truth today is this around these verses in Hebrews chapter 4, 14 to 16, that Jesus Christ, the great high priest in heaven sympathizes and helps believers in their weaknesses on the earth. Heaven and earth meet in the Lord Jesus Christ. Heaven and earth meet in the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me say it again. Jesus Christ, the great high priest in heaven, sympathizes and helps believers in their weaknesses on the earth. There's nothing more encouraging for you and I, in all of our troubles and trials, than to know that the Lord Jesus Christ, fully alive, ascended to heaven, passed through the heavens, is doing his ministry still for you and for me. Dying for our sins, we've believed in him, become his people, and now as his people, he still looks out for us. He still cares about us. This helps you remember that the Lord Jesus is not an idea or a philosophy or some uh, prophet who died 
No, he's fully alive. He rose from the dead, but he ascended. Oh, the ascension is important for us. And I've mentioned that to you as a church. And Lord willing, in the days ahead, we'll take some more time to consider the importance of the ascension of the Lord Jesus Christ. It'll, it'll, change, your, it'll change the way you live your life as a Christian. So my friends, heaven and earth are meeting in the Lord Jesus Christ. He is not only the bridge to life between heaven and hell. Listen, the Lord Jesus the Lord Jesus is the way to link you to heaven today while you are still on the earth. For you to receive from heaven help for your troubles, weaknesses, and pain. This is what we need. Four observations I have for you, and I'll be quick with several of these. Number one, Jesus Christ, the great high priest. This is verse number 14. I preached an entire sermon on this back a ways, and I won't elaborate all of it, but I wanted to bring it back to review as we're coming back together around this great truth of Jesus Christ, the great high priest. Jesus Christ, the great high priest, now, right now, fully alive. He's alive, ministers from heaven to believers on the earth. So we read verse 14. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens. all oh, he's gone through all the created order. And when he ascended, he ascended beyond time and space into that glorious eternal place. Heaven of heavens. And Jesus, the son of God. What does that tell us? That's, that's both sides of who he is. He is both fully man, fully God. Jesus, Yeshua. Jesus is the greatest and ascended high priest of God's people in heaven, but he is both human and divine in heaven today. He is human and divine in heaven today. He is Yeshua. You shall call his name Jesus, the angel said to the parents of the Lord Jesus. For he shall save his people from their sins. And then he is the son of God, eternal, always been. Fully God, the only begotten of God the Father, full of grace and truth, as John says it. Who do we have for us in all of our troubles and trials? Why, it is the Lord Jesus Christ, who died on the cross, who rose from the dead, who ascended to heaven, and now enthroned, enthroned in heaven, as we sung about today. Our great high priest ministers to us from heaven. You're always looking for the best minister, aren't you? The best minister is the Lord Jesus Christ. And he will minister to you today if you will come to him. This is what we're learning from Hebrews chapter 4. Secondly, Jesus Christ, and these next three are where I want to spend my time in verses 15 and 16. <clears throat> so this high priest who's passed through the heavens, who is uh, there... As the son of God, I hold on to my confession, whatever trouble comes in my life. <clears throat> you know, I've said to you as a church over and over again, uh, what will you do? How will your life change the day you get the call from the doctor? Well, I had a call from the doctor a month ago. Well, what will it do to your life? How will it change you? If you leave this place and sadly someone in your life is killed in a, in an accident on the road or something happens terribly in your family to one of your children, what, what will you do? How will it affect your confession? You've said you love Jesus Christ. Oh, how I love Jesus. 
you've confessed that you're a believer and follower of Jesus. So will you follow the Lord Jesus and confess Him in your hardest days, just as you have done in your best days? This becomes very important for our life. This is why we have this high priest, verse 14, who has passed through the heavens. Jesus, the Son of God, hold on to your confession on the best of days and worst of days. I say to you today, Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God in my life, regardless of what happens to me. And I give thanks to God, for this is the will of God for me in Christ Jesus. You must hold on to your confession, whatever your pain, whatever the news. And because of that, Jesus Christ our high priest who's in heaven, look at verse 14. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. You see, this is a wonderful word for us, my friends. Jesus Christ, the great high priest of believers, feels the believer's pain and weakness in heaven. You know, in English, we're taught not to use double negatives, but double negatives also are a device and in the written language, and here we have one, a double negative. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize. A double negative actually is used here as a device to show that the sentence is a double positive. A double negative turned to a double positive. That is, verse 15, we have a high priest who can sympathize, and we have a high priest who sympathizes with our weaknesses. So today, I want you to think about this today. We have a high priest who's, sympathi who's sympathetic. So uh, using my own testimony today. So those who have experienced and are going through the same kinds of medical things that I'm going through, uh, who've experienced it, they have sympathy. Sympathy is the word that means to have same feelings, to be affected with the same feelings as another because of the same experience. There are a lot of us that empathize with others who are going through hard times, but unless, you're going, unless you have experienced the same thing as someone else, you cannot really sympathize with them. Sympatheo is the word. With, with empathy, we feel with them, but we don't really understand what they're experiencing. But we still try to minister to them, and that's good. Oh, but the Lord Jesus is one who sympathizes with all of us. This is an astounding truth. We do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with us. You see, he sympathizes with us. How does the King James read 15? He is touched with the feeling of our infirmities. That's a beautiful, he's touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's touched. There is one who is touched today. The Lord Jesus is touched with the feelings of our infirmity. He is moved to compa compassion in heaven for, your, for our weaknesses and our troubles. Think about this. Your weaknesses and mine. Whether they're health related, whether they're trials and troubles in our life, in our jobs, with our family. Whether it's poverty, whether it's fear, depression, mental struggles, worries and stress. Uh, whether it's being hated or whether it's being rejected, whether it's being abused. Oh, the list of our weaknesses. We are all people who are weak. We, some of us in this room do everything we can to try to demonstrate we're strong, but we're all weak. We all have weakness, my dear friends. And we'll always have weaknesses while we're in this world because it's our flesh. It's the world we live in and the devil. We know this. We've talked about it as a church. 
about being dead to the world. We've talked about the importance of crucifying our flesh and living for God by the Spirit. But the devil's laid the traps in this world. And he continues to assault us as believers. Oh, the weaknesses we have. We think, well, I'll, just, I'll, be, I'll, I'll be strong today and in my youth I'll have no weaknesses. No, you'll have weaknesses in your youth. You'll have weaknesses in your middle age. You'll have weaknesses in your old age. The seasons of life may change the way they appear to you somewhat, but we all carry weaknesses. Our frailness, what is it that the psalmist said? The Lord knows we are. Listen, He knows we are but dust. He knows our frailties. He knows our weaknesses. I'm giving you good news. He knows how weak we are. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses. Today, right now in heaven. Right now in heaven, the Lord is feeling. He is sympathetic. He is feeling. He feels the pain, sorrows, and troubles of His people. He feels it. There is one who feels what you are going through today in heaven. Have you ever said, I wonder if anybody knows what I'm going through. There is one. His name is the Lord Jesus Christ. He, he who saved you is the one who still feels what you are going through. You say, oh, nobody can understand what I'm going through. Wait a minute. That leads us on in verse 15. But one who has been tempted in all things as we are yet without sin. You see, the, the Lord Jesus feels the believer's pain and weaknesses in heaven. But the Lord Jesus also understands the believer's battle with temptation. Oh, he knows what it's like to be tempted. Did you read it there in your Bible? In all things. Some of you say, well, the Lord may have been tempted in just a few ways, but not always. Well, it says here, in every way. There's not a temptation that you endure that the Lord Jesus Christ does not understand. I want you to, while you have your Bible open, just turn back a page or two. Uh, Hebrews 2, Hebrews 2, verse number, uh, verse number 18. Just see this, we've seen it before. I preached to the, uh, on this a, a while back. For since he himself was tempted in that which he has suffered, he is able to come to the aid of those who are tempted. Oh, the Lord Jesus suffered. You know, when you suffer... When you suffer, you're tempted to be angry. When you suffer, you're tempted to be upset with God. <clears throat> when, you're, when you suffer, you're tempted to lose your faith. When you're tempted, you allow fear to creep into your mind. When you're tempted, <clears throat> you get angry and impatient with others and, and with God. Oh, this is, this is our... This is our condition. The Lord Jesus was tempted in all things while He was on the earth. He knows what it's like to be tempted. There's no temptation that you have experienced that the Lord Jesus... I'm talking about right now in heaven. He knows the fury and fire and the drawing attraction of the temptation in your life right now. He knows it. He feels it and He understands it. But he is the one who not only experienced temptation, but resisted it. That's what we must do. And he overcame it and was delivered from temptation and became the one who said to his disciples, Rejoice, I have overcome the world. And that's what we are in Jesus Christ, overcomers. Not those who are in despair and discouragement. We're the overcomers. So today, right now in heaven... This is for you, my dear friend. 
Oh, this room is filled with people who have all kinds of struggles. Oh, the people of our church filled with all kinds of adversities and difficulties. We think sometimes we're going to just be brave and not tell anyone about it. But why wouldn't you want to tell the Lord Jesus? What is our hymn? Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. Tell it to Jesus. What do I do, Pastor Mike, in my life when the worst of days comes? Well, we have an answer in verse number 16. Therefore, let us draw near with confidence to the throne of grace so that we may receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Now, I'm going to say something to you today. Now, you may think, well, Pastor Mike, you've been sick. You may, you may have become delusional. I'm not delusional. I have all my senses today as best I can have them at my age. I'm not on drugs today. I'm in my right mind. I'm sober. So what I'm about to say to you, I want to challenge you with because it might help you in your prayer life. It might help you when you worship. You see, here we use these words that Paul uses this very important phrase, to draw near, to draw near. Well, from the book of Exodus all the way from the tabernacle, there's the drawing near. There was the, there was the staying away at the mountain of Sinai, but then there was the tabernacle. And from there forward, there was a drawing near, standing there in the courtyard as the, follow me, the great high priest of Israel went into the Holy of Holies. And there they drew near. They drew near with their sacrifices. They drew near with their prayers. They drew, their, they drew near to count on the, on the sacrifice covering their sins and the high priest going in before God, before them. They drew near. This is a description of your worship and prayer life. How are you doing today in drawing near? How? Here's the question. How do I get to this high priest? How do I get to this high priest today who knows how I feel in temptation? How do I get to this high priest today who is sympathetic and knows how I feel and understand? You must worship and draw near to him in prayer. Prayer is, here's the way I said it. Believers go to heaven in prayer. To receive help from Jesus Christ, their high priest on the earth. Have you ever prayed have you ever prayed recognizing that you have left the earth and you are speaking in heaven with your great high priest? It'll change your prayer life. At the end of the book of Hebrews, well, in fact, let me, let me take you to two places so that, again, I demonstrate that I'm not delusional. Hebrews chapter number 10, verse number 19. We'll come back to this in some detail in the days ahead. Take your Bible. Look there, Hebrews 10, 19. Therefore, brethren, I'm talking to all my brothers and sisters in Christ today. Therefore, brothers and sisters in Christ, since we have confidence. This word confidence that we read here is the same word as in verse 16 of 4. Having confidence to draw near to the throne. It is the word that means liberty of speech. Since we have liberty of speech to, to enter the holy place by the blood of Jesus. Well, is that some temple somewhere on the earth? No. That's heaven itself. Now I enter into heaven when I pray. By a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through his flesh, that is, through the veil that is his flesh. Since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart and full assurance of faith. I go to heaven when I pray. I go to heaven when I worship. 
That's why Paul goes on to say at the end of this book, very abruptly, he says in chapter 12, just turn on over there, chapter 12, verse 18, he says, you've not come to a mountain that cannot be touched, to flaming, blazing fire and darkness, but, verse 22, you have come. When? Now, in relationship to Jesus Christ. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the holy Jerusalem and the myriads of angels, to the general assembly and church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven and to God and the judge of all and the spirits of the righteous made perfect and to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant and to the sprinkled blood, which speaks better than the blood of Abel. When I pray, I go to heaven and speak with the Lord. Where? It's right here at the throne of grace. I've had some time this last month to go to heaven when I pray. It's wonderful to go to heaven when you pray. It's wonderful to know that while I'm here in my trouble, I can go to heaven by faith because of a new way through Jesus and His name and the blood. And I can present at the throne of grace what, what, what I need. This is the way you live the Christian life. This is why I pray. How do I get to the high priest? I pray. Why would you not pray, my friend? Why would you not pray? It's a lack of understanding or, frankly, the lack that you're, you're, you're not saved. We go to Him and draw near to Him because now we are united to Him. L lest you think I'm delusional, not only do we go to heaven when we pray, but you are actually in heaven right now while you're on the earth because you're united to Christ. Listen, Paul says in Ephesians chapter 2, we are seated with Christ in heavenly places right now. You are in Christ. Christ is in you. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ lives in me. And the life I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. You are united to Christ. Christ is in you. You're in him. That's why Paul said to the Corinthians, why would you go out and commit sexual sin when you are united to Christ? You would put Christ through such a thing? You would live in such a way when you're united to Christ that you would do such a thing? To dishonor your relationship to Him. Well, Paul says also in Philippians 3.20, our citizenship is in heaven where Christ is seated and we are seated also. He says in Colossians 3, set your mind on things above where Christ is seated. Oh, and your life is hid in Christ Jesus. So that when He is revealed from heaven, you too will be revealed. You're already in heaven in Christ while you're living on the earth. When you pray, go to heaven when you pray. Therefore, let us draw near. Draw near. Please look carefully at verse 16. Why do we draw near? Well, when we draw near to the throne of grace, guess what we receive? Mercy. In the ancient world, some kings, when you approached their throne, if you didn't stand a certain way, uh, make certain gestures, present certain things, you were killed. It was not a throne of grace. It was a throne of rigidness and rules and authority and power. No, we approach, we go to heaven and guess what we do? We speak at liberty with our high priest. When you pray, do you tell 
the Lord Jesus how you really feel? Do you tell him how you feel? Lord, this is what's happened to me. Why? Lord, this is what I'm going through. What would you, why are you doing this? Lord, this is what, and what do we receive as we draw near in heaven to the throne of grace? Listen, you receive mercy. Mercy, mercy opens the way because of the Lord Jesus Christ's death on the cross. And there's not a person I'm speaking to in this room, no matter how powerful and strong you may think you are, that does not need the mercy of God every day of your life. That's why Paul had said back in chapter 2, that's why he had talked to us about in chapter 2, 17. Therefore, he had to be made like his brethren in all things. Listen, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest. You see, today believers are united to Christ in heaven when I pray. Today when we were singing and praising God, we joined those in heaven. We went to heaven in our praise. Not here in Dixon. So I ask you again today. Have you gone to the throne of grace? When you go there, you not only receive mercy, but you find grace. And that's what we all need. Well, as I finish today, let me just uh, again draw these uh, to some kind of conclusion and apply this for you. So what do we take away from all of these things we've read in Hebrews 4, 14 to 16? Number one... Remember Jesus Christ, your sympathetic high priest in times of weakness and temptation. Remember, remember, the Lord Jesus is alive today for you as a believer in Christ. He, he's concerned about you. You say, well, the Lord's busy. He has a lot of things to do. Yes, and one of those busy things that he has to do is be concerned about you. He's ready and willing for you to come to him. He wishes for you to come to him. And how do you go to the high priest? You go in prayer. You go in prayer. That's why the Lord would teach the disciples, as we know, the model. Our Father who is in heaven, holy is your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us of our trespasses, our sins, as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. There is pain in heaven, my friend. It's not the pain of loved ones who are separated from their loved ones on the earth, no. The only pain in heaven is the sympathetic pain of the Lord Jesus Christ to His people on the earth. He still feels. He feels the pain of His suffering people who are martyred and still abused in this world, all over the world. He, he, feels, he feels and sympathizes with those Locked up Christians who are persecuted and thrown in jails and no one even knows where they are and no one even knows if they're alive anymore. He knows the sufferings of His church on the earth. He knows the, the overwhelming temptations and the worldliness of His church. What did the Lord say as He stood there in His priestly garments to those churches in the book of Revelation? I know your works. I know your patience. I know you're neither hot nor cold. You're lukewarm. Strengthen the things that remain. Repent or I'll remove your candlestick. He knows. He knows the condition of the church. And he knows the condition of First Baptist Church Dixon. 
He has his feelings about this church. Are they feelings of joy? Are they feelings of grief? As he looks at our lives, our great high priest in heaven is not ignoring you. You say, well, I prayed and he did not answer me. How do you know that? How do you know that? How do you know that? You see, the Lord has his own ways of answering our prayers. I, I have... Uh, this past month drawn so close to Psalm 77. I just read the first verse. My voice rises to God. I will cry aloud. My voice rises to God and He will hear me. You see, prayer is coming to the throne of grace in heaven and knowing we're heard. He hears you. And if He hears you, He will respond and help you. Draw close in prayer to the Lord Jesus Christ. Now we've got a string of qualities about Him now we've learned. In chapter 2 we learned He is a faithful and merciful high priest. Now we add another to it. The Lord Jesus Christ is merciful, faithful, listen, and sympathetic to your condition. There is help from heaven for your troubles on the earth. There is help from heaven for your troubles on the earth. Why would we turn to everyone here on earth or to other sources when we can come to our great high priest, merciful, faithful, and sympathizing, and receive, oh, I read it to you again, mercy and find grace to help in time of need. To the praise of the glory of His grace, we say these things. And then I remind you today, church, of what I've been saying to you for a long time. In the days in which we live, in the current events of our world, the Lord said to those Jews and to His disciples, you know how to determine the seasons of the year. You know the signs of the changing from winter to spring. You know the, you know the signs. But do you know the signs of the times? He went on to talk about the signs of the times. Do you, church? Now, are you in your slumber, sleeping away, thinking that time moves on without any conclusion and that we're not closer now to the coming of the Lord Jesus than when you woke up this morning? The apostles called it the last hour. And James said what the Lord Jesus said. When you see these things in your world, are you looking? Don't be a philosopher. Don't try to rationalize. When you see these things... He is near to the door. The Lord Jesus is soon to come again. And I pray and I hope you join me. Come Lord Jesus. But in the meantime, we have our great high priest. And our great high priest is whom we can draw with confidence to the throne of grace and receive mercy and find grace to help in time of need.